welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. If you want to find a Bible, if you don't have one, there should be one in the pew in front of you. They are black and placed around the sanctuary. My name is Micah, if we haven't met. I'm the lead pastor here at Awaken. Glad that you're here. Um, recently, John Mark and Jenna and Dan, our pastor at Awaken East and myself, we went to Chicago, so we were in uh, Chicago for our midwinter conference this last week. Jenna and Dan had class, and uh, John Mark and I didn't. <laughs> so that was fun for us. Um, in fact, if you get a chance, you have to ask John Mark, just say, tell me the elevator story. And that one will go down in infamy. Um, maybe one of the funniest things I've heard happening at Midwinter in a very long time. So I, I won't give any more details. And John Mark may hate me for telling all of you to go ask him about the elevator story. But what's he going to do? <laughs> so um, today, uh, because of that, last week I was at this conference. Uh, I will not be preaching, which I'm grateful for. I've done that. I've made that mistake a few times where I go to midwinter and then I realize, oh my gosh, I have to preach on Sunday, and that's a bit of a struggle. So uh, we have the the pleasure and uh, the opportunity to hear from IJM and uh, one Bethany Huang. Um, for those of you that don't know, Awaken has uh, an official partnership with IJM. That's International Justice Mission. And uh, we, through prayer support and some financial support, uh, stand behind the work that they do. Uh, they do some of the most difficult work with the most vulnerable people in the most difficult places in the world. And so uh, we just, uh, what they do is highly specialized, and it is, uh, it's really connected to the heart of God and um, the heart of God for justice in the world. Um, so that's really, really exciting stuff, and it's hard work, and we love what they do. And, and um, around 10 other churches in the Twin Cities have folks from IGM just sharing about their ministry this Sunday, and uh, so we get to hear from Bethany. On that note, I'll just mention to you that um, some of you are uh, maybe looking for something to get involved in, and like, hey, wh what's the next step from this, That from what you'll hear this morning? And so I want to just mention to you, um, IGM does something called Freedom Partners, uh, and if you're familiar with like Compassion or World Vision, you can sponsor a child. This isn't less sponsoring a child per se, but it's kind of like NPR, right? Like a sustaining member of NPR where you say, I believe in this organization and I want to help make it happen. So if you want to check out in the back uh, after the gathering, Troy, uh, who may be the only person wearing a tie here this morning, he'll be back there. And uh, I once had a lady say, Micah, I don't think there's, she says, I tell my friends about this place and they say, I'm not sure there's a, a pressed shirt in the house. Welcome to Awaken. So Troy's the guy with the tie, um, and he can share more about that. But if you do, if you're interested in being a freedom partner, um, a one CD by a Sarah Groves, who's a part of our community, produced by one John Mark Nelson, will be yours for free, and a book that Bethany wrote. So those are both yours if you're interested in becoming a freedom partner. I'm going to stop talking, and I'm going to ask you to warmly welcome our friend Bethany Huang, if you would. You know what? I... I'm not going to stop talking, actually, because I, 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 I know you do. Uh, I didn't make this um, known in the first hour, and I thought, you know, if there are kids in the room, like, um, this is a topic that is, uh, it's, um, well, let's go with PG-13 or, or uh, so just a fair warning. If you have children in the room, this is a, this is a tough topic, and we're going to hear some really good things, uh, but 
fair warning. There you go. Okay, bye. How about that for a setup? Thank you Sorry. for saying that. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> oh, it's so good to be with you all this morning. And so my husband and I actually moved here to the Twin Cities about five years ago. It's our fifth winter, so we're getting some winter credibility here. And um, it's so fun to get to speak locally in our own town, because um, then my family gets to come. So I've actually got my husband and two out of our three children are here this morning down here. And um, it's, I've been hearing about the Awaken community for a long time. Sarah and Troy Groves are dear friends, and I just love what's happening in this community. So I consider it a real privilege to get to be with you this morning. Um, my family and I worship um, way over in Minneapolis uh, near our house at a church called Christ Presbyterian. And from time to time, my own church will ask me to um, stand up and speak on this or that. And around Thanksgiving time, we were exploring the idea of gratitude and some of the obstacles to gratitude. And they said, could you just talk through the problems in our world today? Could you, could you take about three minutes and just, you know... <laughs> Help us unpack what's wrong in the world today. And, you know, whether it's three minutes or even today, you know, we've got closer to 30. Not really going to even scratch the surface if we just even taking the headlines from this morning, much less everything that's happening on our planet. We can get lost really fast in the question of what's wrong, what's broken, what can I possibly do about it? Um, even just the question of our own lives and the, the things that hurt. And so one of the things that I thought about then and that I've been thinking a lot about today is that I think there's actually just this one very thin line that separates on any given day, it, it separates hope from despair. And Walking down that line between hope and despair, the thing that's going to tip us in either direction is a lot more simple than we probably uh, realize most of the time. And it's, are we going to talk to God about the things that are hard, or are we going to turn away from him? The turning away is that, that choice ultimately toward despair, but that one step toward God is the choice that opens up enormous hope, just the tiniest of steps toward God, his arms waiting for us. And in the world today, the, the, the enormity of the pain, the suffering, the confusion, it just, it gets really overwhelming really fast. And that choice toward hope, it starts in community, uh, it starts right here amongst friends, amongst people that we can trust to spur us when we can't, we feel like we can't even make that choice anymore towards God, towards talking to him. We spur each other on. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to walk that line and tip closer more and more toward God uh, rather than away. Let's pray for a moment. Lord God, thank you that you are the God of the universe. You're the God who sees everything. You've made us. You've made everything. There's nothing that is a surprise to you. And you're calling us out. You're beckoning us to draw near to you, to 
draw near to the things that are hard in this world, to move toward them with hope, to move with your power at work in us. So God, I ask for your Holy Spirit to be the one that instructs us this morning. Lord God, would you speak with power through your word, through each of us to each other, and lead us out of here today, remembering that you are always speaking, always listening, ready for us to take the next step toward you. You are always running after us. We are so grateful that you are the God who pursues us and that you hold this whole world in your hands. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So human trafficking is really at the center of the work that IJM is doing in the world, Micah was talking about. And IJM is an organization that I worked with for over a decade, and I don't serve on staff anymore, but I just so deeply believe in the work that they're doing in the world. I wanna share about it with you a little bit more today and connect some dots for us about what is human trafficking in other parts of the world that maybe we'll never even get to. What does it have to do with our own context here today as well? And uh, there's a big event happening in town next week, right? (laughs) What's the big event? Super Bowl, yes, the Super Bowl. Super Bowl, um, it's been a lot of buzz for a long time and about the event itself, but some of you might have also heard some buzz around human trafficking in particular. Um, In the last few years with Super Bowl, World Cup, other major sporting events, um, there have been people who've been working on trying to understand is there an increase in human trafficking when a big event comes to a certain city? Does it increase the opportunity to exploit the vulnerable? And many are seeing, yes, there is an increase. And so you might hear some of your neighbors um, or people at your office or or just uh, here in our own church just talking about, okay, we've got the Super Bowl coming. Is there a greater chance that people are being exploited right here in our own city? And what do we do about that? And the one thing I wanna say about that is that this week is unique for us here in Minnesota with the Super Bowl coming, but mostly for the reason that it's an opportunity to say that, yes, human trafficking is a big problem, and it's actually not merely linked to one big event that happens to come to a city for a flash in the pan. It's actually an all-the-time nightmare all around the world. And... The details on that are that there are actually more people who are enslaved in our world today than just about any other time of human history. There's more than 45 million people who live in slavery today. And it's a crime of economic opportunity. So there are many forms of um, what people, for lack of a better term, black market crimes. So hidden criminal industries, such as trafficking of arms, trafficking of drugs. But this trafficking of people is actually unique in some very important ways. And what it comes down to for the traffickers is the massive opportunity 
for profitability. So this is an industry where nearly $150 billion of profit are coming in to traffickers and pimps and brothel keepers on an annual basis from the sale of one human being uh, to another. Uh, th this idea that a human being could actually be owned. And the reason it is so profitable, and even in comparison to, to arms or drugs, is because with a drug, you, can, you sell the drug once and it's consumed and then it's gone. With a human being, you can actually sell that human being over and over and over and over again until th that their body is basically worn out and discarded. And that's actually what's happening all over the world. And it's also happening here in Minnesota. So whether there's a Super Bowl coming or not, it's happening all the time in our state. And the Department of Justice has actually identified the Twin Cities as one of the 15 largest areas for, in particular, the sell of children for sexual exploitation in the entire nation. So we're living in the center of one of the, uh, the largest hotbeds of trafficking in our nation. The average age of a Minnesota girl who is sold for sex in our city is 13. Um, some ha are as young as 11. It it's an incredibly pervasive crime here and around the world. And what I come back to when I start to think about these statistics is they get really overwhelming really fast. And the, whether it's the proximity of it happening in our own backyard or whether it's the daunting nature of the fact that it's across the globe in places we've maybe even never heard of, the fact that it's all around us, it all comes back really fast to that thin line that we walk between despair and hope. And that line comes back into play every single day, whether it's trafficking statistics and the reality of suffering around us or whether it's other things that just get inside of us and break our heart. But for me, that thin line uh, between despair and hope and the enormity of the problems in the world and my own question of what am I going to do about this, it kind of smacked me between the eyes um, most prominently about 16 years ago, almost to the day today, when I was in seminary. And I didn't know a lot when I was in seminary about what was happening globally. I knew a little bit maybe about uh, sweatshop labor, um, some certain social issues, but to be honest, I wasn't particularly engaged. And I was young, I had just graduated college, I'm in seminary, I'm studying um, the scriptures, and I'm in the cafeteria one day eating lunch, I pack up my backpack, I head out the door on my way to class. And that day I had a, a little bit more time and I could see out of the corner of my eye that someone had set up an information table in the hallway of the cafeteria. So I just wandered over to check it out. And there was a poster there at the table. And this poster became a pivot moment in my life. I will never forget it. It had a picture of a woman, a young woman, 
um, and she had just one tear streaming down her cheek. And I looked at it, and it just had two sentences. The first one said, slavery is alive. And then right underneath that, rape for profit must be stopped. And this was 2002. There wasn't much in the media in our country yet about human trafficking. I had never heard of it. I tried asking some of my seminary colleagues if they'd heard about it. They didn't know either. And many didn't really even want to talk about it. But I saw that slavery is alive, rape for profit must be stopped. I had no idea that this is a, there could be an entire $150 billion industry dedicated towards something that could be called rape for profit. So I looked at that poster, and then there was a woman standing at the table who had put the poster up, and so I turned to her. Her name was Lisa. I said, what is this, and what do I do? And she slid a piece of paper across the table to me and a pen and said, write down your name. Put your name on my mailing list. I've thought about that moment so many times over the years since because people come up to me saying, what can I do? What can I do? We want a big answer to a big problem. But it, I think, still comes down to something as simple as, here's a pen, put your name down, get some more information. And that's what I did. Lisa started sending me articles every day about what was happening in the world. And I started learning about human trafficking, names, faces, statistics, countries, details. And I started absorbing it and trying to figure out, what do I do with this and what's my role? But it got really overwhelming really fast. It's just, these are conversation stoppers, right? Like the statistics on trafficking and the reality of what's happening, whether here or somewhere else, it's just, it's too much sometimes. And I got really overwhelmed really fast. But the game changer came for me when I opened up my Bible that I was in seminary to study anyways, right? That's what I was there for. I opened it up and all of a sudden, the words came alive in a way that had never come alive to me before. Scriptures that I had read so many times and had meaning and power to me in other contexts, but all of a sudden I realized these scriptures, Isaiah, John, the words of Jesus, the words of the prophets, actually all the way at the beginning in Genesis and all the way to the end in Revelation, this whole thing is talking about Justice is talking about brokenness and slavery and injustice and trafficking and abuse and neglect and it's talking about healing and restoration and light coming to darkness and that's our call now. And I read John, you know, our scripture today from the narrative lectionary is from John chapter 3. And, you know, perhaps one of them, maybe without debate, the most used scripture for evangelization. You know, God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And right after Jesus says that, he talks about the light that came into the world to expose 
darkness. And what deeper darkness is there than the darkness of human beings selling and exploiting one another? What greater light could there be than Jesus shining that light and then Jesus telling us, yes, I am the light of the world and you are the light of the world. You who follow me, you are the light of the world. And it started to hit me. This is not a sideshow to the gospel. This is the gospel, the work of justice and God's call to us on this planet to bring healing to places that are broken and to set free people who are in literal slavery. This is central to the gospel and to what it means to follow Jesus. So Isaiah 58, I've heard that in your congregation you stand when the word is read. So let's stand and listen to Isaiah 58. I will never forget the first time I read this passage after I had first learned about human trafficking in our world and that it existed and that we were called to do something about it. This passage took on new meaning. This is the prophet Isaiah talking to the people of Israel about the injustice in their own community. And then this is the prophet speaking to us today. Hear the words from Isaiah 58. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always and he will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and he will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. This is the word of the Lord. Have a seat. So this promise started leaping off the page to me. And long story short, I went to work for IJM, and in my first few months on the job with IJM, they sent me to Cambodia just to visit our field office. I was not operational. Uh, my work with IJM was always to call the church um, and to, to the gospel and to, to action. So, but I went to the field to meet those who were operational, investigators and lawyers and social workers, and that office had just opened. And Cambodia in those days was a, it, it was ground zero for the trafficking of children. It was where pedophiles and tourists knew to go to find children and the youngest of children in particular. And they knew that if they went to Cambodia, they would be protected. They would be protected by the police and the authorities 
in Cambodia who were, had taken bribes and were bought in to let the sale of children for sex go, uh, just flourish and go without any punishment. So when I went to Cambodia, I met these two little girls named Kunti and Chanda, and their story was archetypal for what was happening in Cambodia at that time. They had been sold by their mothers to traffickers. And these traffickers locked them in a brothel where they could not leave, and they would bring men who were customers to come to where Kunti and Chanda were being held. They were forced to smile as they were being evaluated and prices given for what it would cost to take them to exploit them. If they cried, the traffickers shot narcotics into their bloodstream to sedate them. And again, the police, they were bought in. They knew it was happening. And when IJM first started bringing evidence of girls like Kunti and Chanda to the police, hard evidence, they turned a blind eye. They were bought in. Kunti and Chanda were Vietnamese girls who had been trafficked over into Cambodia. And their story, unfortunately, is not unique. It has happened scores of times over and over and over again. And it is so, so common amongst the very most vulnerable, poverty-stricken regions of our world. It's happening here in Minnesota, but that's even just the tip of the iceberg compared to what's happening in the most poverty-stricken parts of our world. And Kunti and Chanda, they were the very first victims of trafficking that I had ever met face-to-face but I got to meet them. And the reason that I got to meet them is because of a tipping point that started to come in the fight against trafficking in Cambodia. And it started to come because followers of Jesus decided not to turn away. IJM was on the ground. There were some other NGOs, nonprofits on the ground. There were churches on the ground. Cambodian nationals, people from other countries started partnering together. And IJM in particular went into the heart of the police force, the very place where the corruption was centered, and started building relationships. Started becoming that like leaven in the bread, the yeast that spreads little by little, and eventually infiltrates the whole loaf. IJM got into the heart of it, and transformation started to happen. The police began to respond. Sometimes they'd still tip off a brothel, and when IJM would show up with the police, all the girls would be gone. But little by little, actual rescue operations started. And Kunti and Chanda, they were some of the first girls that IJM ever rescued in Cambodia. And when I got to meet them, their traffickers had been arrested and they had been prosecuted. And Kunti and Chanda were in aftercare. They were being loved on. They were going through holistic trauma healing. They were safe. And they were so courageous, they actually stood up in a courtroom and testified against their traffickers of what had happened. 
And it was a breaking, omen, breaking open moment in that country. To this day, Kunti and Chanda are part of this uprising of transformation that started in Cambodia 15 years ago. They were some of the first rescued. There have been thousands of girls rescued in Cambodia to this day. There have been hundreds of traffickers and brothel keepers held accountable. And when I got to meet Kunti and Chanda, there's a glimpse of them here, smiling. And they were just little girls, like able to be little girls again. They, we brought them these french fries and hamburgers, and they were like, oh, Miss Bethany, the french fries are cold, and they were laughing, and it was just all of this um, just beautiful childhood on display. Like, they were free to express themselves, and they showed me all these pictures that they had drawn and that they had hanging over their bunk beds and insisted on me bringing them home with me. Like, they were just just the, the picture of flourishing and like the beginnings of flourishing that unravels more and more and more as the years go by. And what's been happening for them has been happening for scores of children, girls and boys, even entire families that have been trafficked in different parts of our world. There is an uprising that's at work. But what it comes back to I believe with every fiber of my being is the body of Christ taking that step away from our temptation to despair. Some days it may just look like cynicism, being jaded. That happens a lot for me. Like, you know, what else can we possibly do? Or what's the next hard thing we're going to hear about? Taking a step away from that, that's a temptation and it leads to despair. But taking the step toward God, opening up his word again and saying, what is the word you would speak to us, God, in this moment? Your ancient word will speak to us today. And to say again, freshly every day, we believe it. We believe that you are speaking. There's been, in Cambodia, a transformation in the entire police force. The police that were once were so bought in, IJM doesn't actually need to do the rescue operation leadership anymore because the police and the governing authorities have taken over. They are the ones who are leading the rescues and the ongoing transformation of Cambodia. And it's remarkable. There's... Uh, an incredible pride in the police force and the work that they do now to protect the children of Cambodia. And there's a quote that one of them said, a captain in the police force, and he, I think, has a word for us here when we look at our own city. And this is what he said. He said, speaking of, of Cambodia, this Cambodian police officer says about his own country, I hope that all people across the country of Cambodia will become aware of the law and enforce the law together. We must all work together as a team to prevent and suppress trafficking. I was like, that could not be more true for us here. And what could it look like for us to take Cambodia as this beacon of hope 
for what could be possible here. To take the Twin Cities as one of the largest centers for the trafficking of children and turn that upside down. Turn this into a beacon of transformation the way Cambodia is that sends a message to the rest of our own country. And with IJM, I so deeply believe in the work that they are doing all over the world. Cambodia is just the beginning of the transformation that IJM believes can happen in cities all over the world. And what if we join up and make that possible with them? I definitely want to talk to you more after the service. Troy Groves and I will be in the back talking more. Um, the book that I wrote that they mentioned that IJM's giving away with um, becoming a freedom partner, it's, it's Genesis to Revelation Justice. And what I want us to walk away from here today is that God is inviting us into this massive transformation that he is doing. Jesus is making all things new. It tells us this in our scriptures, and we can see it. And if we ask God to show us, to open his word fresh every day, anywhere in the Bible, and say, God, please show me who you are as the God of justice who's working transformation. And even in the deepest pits of despair in my own life or in my family or in my city or in another part of the world, will you show us your light breaking through? God loves to answer that question. Show us your light exposing darkness. God, show us your hope breaking in. God loves to answer that question. Let's ask him that question together. Let's help each other move toward him rather than away. I'm gonna pray for a moment. And as we pray, I just wanna invite you, we're moving into a time of communion and we're going to just leave some silence for you to reflect. What's the question you're bringing to God? What's the next step he might invite you to take. It's going to look very different for every one of you. What's the thing that seems too impossibly small, like the mailing list, that God's actually asking you to do? But ask God to overwhelm you with the way he loves to answer the question of show me your light. Show us your love, God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your love, God, your love for this world. You so loved this world that you came into it with us. And even when we cling to darkness and hide in the shadows, your light cannot be overcome. Lord God, please draw us closer to you today. Wherever any of us are at, help us to take the step toward you. And please show us the next step and the next and the next. And I pray that Awaken would be a community that takes the next and the next and the next and points to hope over despair every time, points to you, Jesus.
Lord God, we come to you now just letting our hearts speak to you with groans deeper than our words can express your Holy Spirit interceding. My friends, we sing that not to make ourselves feel any better, but because it's our only hope. Because we declare that in Christ, God has done something and has invited us to participate in the healing of the world through the light that's come in Christ. I recognize that there's no preface that makes today any easier to hear or any less uncomfortable. Um, But I think a lot of times things like this happen in the world because we're asleep, because we're not awake to those things. And so I figure if our church's name is Awaken, well, we're okay with being woke up on some things. So my hope and prayer is that as you leave today, that you wouldn't feel that there's one more thing that you have to go and do, but that you would be aware, that you'd be awake, and you'd be open to whatever the Spirit of God is doing in you. And so if it's sign up for a mailing list, if it's just put your name, your email down, or maybe it's sign up as a freedom partner, or maybe it's get involved in IGM's work, or maybe it's work with refugees, or maybe it's help deliver food to kids at Sheridan Story in Linwood Monroe. Whatever it is, it's the role of the church to say yes to the invitation of God, to participate in the healing and the hope that comes in Christ. So leave with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people on mission in the world said, Amen. Go and do good work, my friends. See you next week. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.